Hello and welcome to Additive Insight, your source for news, interviews and comment on the latest 3D printing and additive manufacturing intelligence, brought to you by the TCT content team. I'm TCT Head of Content, Laura Griffiths, and today I'm joined by Shannon Van Deren, who joins me as our latest executive interview guest. Shannon is the owner and president of Layered Manufacturing and Consulting, and is also the president of the Additive Manufacturing Users Group. Hello, Shannon. Thank you for joining us today. Hello, Laura. Pleasure to meet you and always a pleasure to engage with the wider additive group. Absolutely. Well, I'm so happy you could join us today to talk about all things additive, but mainly um, the Additive Manufacturing Users Group and AMUG 2024, which takes place on March 10th to the 14th in Chicago this year. I think to kick things off, though, first of all, I want to start with asking you a question that I like to ask a lot of our Additive Insight guests to kind of ease our way in. I'm interested to know what was your light bulb moment with additive manufacturing? Where did you first encounter it and think, OK, this is something really interesting that I could that, that I could focus my career on? Yes. Well, that would be my first job within additive manufacturing, which was at Materialize. And I say all the time that that was such a gift because Materialize is so well satiated in the additive industry by multiple verticals, pretty much every process, their software is very impactful in so many strains. So it was such a playground of learning for me. And in fact, it was wildly fascinating. Um, So I was very often away from my desk and in the shop (laughs) and watching and asking questions. So I don't know that I have a light bulb moment, but I had extraordinary enthusiasm right from the get go uh, to really understand and learn more about what additive was doing. And so one thing I'm also keen to ask you is because I think that Every time I go to AMUG or speak to somebody about AMUG, we're always talking about the little nuggets of information that we learned from people while we're there. Like, oh, I learned how to do this. Or someone gave me this really great tip for this. And um, yep. as you know, you've been attending AMUG for, for many years now. And I wonder what's the best piece of information or advice that you've ever taken away from another AMUG attendee? Uh, talk to them all. Uh, <laughs> really engage with everybody. And don't be afraid to ask your questions. There, there's such a wealth of experience there, and AMUG just brings out a, a unique personality in everybody, no matter what lane they're driving in within the additive spectrum. Mm-hmm. Uh, so being willing to ask and get different perspectives and build your Rolodex. I know that's an old term, but we all know what a Rolodex means. <laughs> but keeping your contacts, I can't tell you how many times I've bounced back to other people when I've bumped into a a hurdle that I wasn't confident on the response of. So uh, full engagement, even if you um, feel, I'm certainly in the beginning, I felt like much lesser of a contributor. Uh, Back then I was very new and very green uh, and not being inhibited to talk to some of the folks who have had more years um, and certainly more commercial experience in in additive trials because they too were once a learner and they mm-hmm. too have stumbled and tripped. Uh, and now at a venue like Amog, they're just willing to be so open with sharing how they conquered that. It's just so mm-hmm. special. Mm-hmm. And that it is really that openness and willing to educate each other and share things. And even something you touched on in your first point there back at Materialize when you were able to go in and see things and, and get hands on. I feel like AMOG allows you to do that as well, because with the expo floor, I think that people are much more willing to be honest about opening up machines and showing you what's going on inside. And then the workshops as well. There's all that kind of stuff where you can not just come and sit in conference presentations, but can actually learn things and, and get a bit more stuck in with the technology. 
Yes, thank you for pointing that out. Uh, we're very intentional about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we really want it to be a place where you can and you do. You can mm-hmm. share, you can coach, you can ask. And if you're utilizing the venue properly, then you are doing all of those things. And I love our workshops. I am so much more a tactile learner than a data dump learner presentations for me. Um, I have a wandering mind, personality flaw, um, and being able to touch things and learn and look into it as they're coaching you is just so good. And you've been volunteering with AMUG for, I believe, around 10 years now. I'm interested to know what made you want to volunteer in the first place and now take on the role of president for this year. Ah, loaded question. Uh, (laughs) You know, I think that there is more enthusiasm in enjoying something that you were part of creating. Hmm. So for me, if I were just an attendee, which I was at one point, um, I enjoyed AMUG, but once I became involved with building out whatever lane as a track leader, it was always the medical track, there was such added enthusiasm for me because I was really part of it. Um, so a little bit of it was selfishly because if I can make things better for me, well, gosh, why wouldn't I? Yeah. Um, and track leader, I just loved that. I, I loved the relevance of being able to define what would be uh, great for our members to come and engage in the learning Uh, on that particular track. Moving to the board was twofold. One, um, I probably would have stayed seated as a track leader for maybe ever uh, because I loved it and I was very comfortable in it. I knew how to do it. I knew what the trials were, Um, but it was a selfish thing of me to do because there's other people who would love to have that role. And there I was very selfishly seating in a very comfortable place. Um, and I really want other people to have the experience of that investment in AMUG. Um, so that was kind of the reason for my departure out of the track. But then um, I didn't want to be left out. <laughs> so <laughs> I FOMA was a powerful tool. <laughs> I know. I, I just like to be in the mix. So the board was really kind of a logical next step for me. Um, to join. And I joined in as the as the vice president, as you may know, which was great because the large responsibility of that is sponsors and exhibitors. And I am a relationship person. Paperwork, eh, not so much. Relationships all over it. So I loved that role. Then, of course, we had the departure of our current president um, and I moved into the president spot, which has um, also been a great growth and a great experience. And mm-hmm. still here I am investing in building the continuation and hopefully the long-term relevance and success of the conference of AMUG. And do you have any kind of grand ambitions while you're in this role then for the long-term vision of AMUG? Because I know that decisions are made as part of this collective board and of course AMUG is a group, that's the whole point, but is there anything that, that you're really keen to bring to it now that you're in this position? Mm. Yes, I I think, like you said, it's a good point that each board makes the strategic decisions Mm. for that. And that is cyclical, right? We're all on these two year um, seats. Certainly, uh, my ambition is always people first. What what can I be a part of to make people feel more vested in AMUG? And if it's the volunteer population, how can I best support them and encourage them so that they want to be involved? I don't Mm -hmm. want people to feel like they have to be involved. I want them to have an eager want to -hmm. participate. If you move to the member uh, population that are not, well, volunteers are also members, but if we go exclusively to members, 
Uh, that same eager one, what what do they want from AMUG? Are we delivering that? I want to keep that hunger, uh, an insatiable hunger for them, that they want to come back year over year. Are we tending to their suggestions? If they speak mm-hmm. of ideas, I want to make sure we're hearing it and reviewing it and being thoughtful with those ideas. If they take the time to share that with us, mm-hmm. I want them to know without a shadow of a doubt that they are heard and that this show is really built for the user community. We don't do it for our own gains, this party of nine board of directors. We do it for the greater body. So the more I can do to ensure that I'm as peopley as possible. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> There's the headline already for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a word, but they'll know it's Shannon. <laughs> So I know just from my attendance to AMUG, even since 2015, that I feel like the audience has evolved. I'm seeing more new faces coming in and a lot more of like a, a younger audience as well, which is which is really nice. And I wondered from your point of view, as someone who's attended for, for, for 10 years, you know, how has it evolved in, in your eyes? What kind of changes have you seen over those years? Yes, I think you're right. And, you know, I think a reason that I suspect I have no data to support this, but my suspicion on why we're seeing so many more young people is that academia, it has a larger focus on additive manufacturing. So thus, we're seeing more of the college age. Typically, a college age is younger than am I, although you know, some older people go to college too. Uh, they're having that impact with additive manufacturing and carrying that then into their career trajectory, whether they go into a company that's already well vested in additive or they bring it there. Uh, I think that's a very big reason that we're seeing more young people. Um, the great thing is some of us um, more longer term additive Folks are still coming and equally as enthusiastic as we were several years ago. Shoot, some of them have been coming for 30 years <laughs> and still come with great joy and anticipation. So my hope is that the young people see that it doesn't get tired. Additive just doesn't get, and that's probably because it's so dynamic. It's constantly evolving <laughs> one thing to another. So I think we're seeing that. I think our push on the scholarships is also helpful. Mm-hmm. We're really looking to get into that education sector and give students and educators a chance to immerse uh, with a bunch of users in a in a commercial capacity beyond just maybe a college lab. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think those are pretty viable reasons that we're seeing that. I think too, we have um, end users are adapting additive more readily than they were mm-hmm. shoot, five years ago, 10 years ago, certainly 20 years ago. Yeah. So already then you're opening up um, your pool of people who qualify to be mm-hmm. an AMUG member as well. And how exciting, what more women we're seeing. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's a result of just, just more women studying mm-hmm. uh, an engineering or math degree than maybe 40 years ago where perhaps they did more um, personal care types of thing. Uh, yeah. It's not the right word, but taking care of people, the nurturing mm-hmm. type of roles. Um, and not that anything is wrong with those or, or different. I just think we're seeing more of a push uh, in the STEAM world yeah. uh, with just a more, a, a bigger variety of people all together to yeah. be celebrated. 
And so speaking to those newer audiences then and newcomers to additive manufacturing and, and sorry, to the AIMUG conference, mm. is the I know you talked about building out your Rolodex and making sure you speak to every person in the room, but is there maybe one key golden bit of advice that you give to to new attendees to AIMUG? You say, okay, this is what you should be doing on your first year there. Um, I, my biggest bit of advice is stay away from isolation, right? Okay. Don't go and tuck in your room mm. um, after the session that you wanted to see. If there wasn't something that was compelling you to be somewhere, I, it's such a unique offering. And isolation is uh, sometimes we need it. Sometimes we need some yeah. quiet downtime. It's not to say that I I, <laughs> I crave that occasionally too. Not often, but once in a while. Uh, but don't isolate. Don't go sit in a corner with your computer or with your one colleague. This is such an opportunity to grow you. And you may not find that immediate growth for a few years down the road. Perhaps you're on a job search or mm-hmm. uh, you're at a trade show and you bump into someone else. You're really growing legs for your career. So um, that really is my my biggest bit. As I, I always talk, you know, they have the red banners if they're first timers. Just don't isolate, talk. And that that's really our, our role as long-term uh, members is to ensure that we are being warm in case you're being met with a personality that isn't naturally yeah. one to outwardly engage. Um, but enjoy the moments because five days, whoop, gone. Yeah. <laughs> a whole other year and it's painful. Yeah. <laughs> So what are you looking forward to most for this year's conference? I know that's probably quite difficult to pick just one thing. And especially as someone who oversees yeah. um, a bit of everything, what, what's one thing you're looking forward to the most? Um, it's going to be a vague answer for you. And it's the reunions. You know, there's so many mm-hmm. faces that I don't get to see, but for a mug. Uh, so again, on the selfish vein, the very Shannon vein, it's the reunions for me. Yeah. Um, you forget how many, I work from home uh, and I forget how many people I know and who I have a caring relationship with in this industry. And then you go to AMUG and it's all these warm hugs and genuine happy yeah. hellos. And, oh, it's so good for the soul. Um, as far as the content of the conference, you know, I love, we just talked about this a second ago. I love the workshops. I mm-hmm. love rolling up your sleeves and touching and learning and and engaging and pouring or extruding, whatever it is that we're doing in that, that's exciting. We have a new thing this year. We're doing an A-Mug Derby. Um, I know this is very much an American thing, the Pinewood Derby (laughs) with Cub Scouts. Um, That's uh, in the Cub Scouts world. That is where they build a car out of wood. They kind of whittle it away to shape it, and it goes on a particular frame, and then they have a track, and it's no motor, but you're taking advantage of design lines, weight, weight distribution for the speed because there's a little bit of a downhill and then it flattens out. We're doing that this year with 3D printed cars. So they'll still use the frame so that it fits on the track of the um, Cub Scout. We have a Cub Scout troop coming and running it for us, thank God. Um, I'm really excited to see uh, a couple of things. One, I'm sure there are many uh, men in additive manufacturing that were I women too. That was wrong. Men or women that either were a scout themselves or have a son or daughter in scouts that are mm-hmm. competing in this and getting their hands dirty as now because you know you can't do your kids' homework for you, but now they can do it for themselves. And we have some extraordinary design talent. You look at our technical competition. 
I'm so excited to see what these men and women come up with. And who doesn't love a little friendly competition and banter and (laughs) chiding one another? So I'm kind of excited to see um, grownups become kids uh, with that derby. And I hope they jump right in and that we have many, many, many entries. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm sure people will. I, I that's one thing. There's always a lot of enthusiasm around Amog, and I think something like that, that kind of challenge, I think you're bound to get a lot of enthusiasm for that too. I hope so. I hope so. So outside of your Amog volunteer duties, then, so you're of course the founder and president of Layered Manufacturing Consulting. Can you just give us a sense of the work that you're doing there outside of Amog? Yes, Laird was kind of birthed after I had worked for different service bureaus in my career. I went from materialized to 3D systems, which at that time wasn't metals yet. And then I went from them to linear mold, which was metals and not plastics. And what I found in that, Laura, was that customers would come to me with a need. And if you only offer one solution, then every problem they present to you, you're trying to fix with one solution, which was not always appropriate. So layered manufacturing was really birthed to um, be a resource of all solutions where we really work for the customer. I'm not there to sell any one thing. I have no allegiance or monetary um, ties to any process or materials. So it allows me to go in and really hear the customer, consult with them, help them to problem solve and advise them on the directive that's most appropriate for their end use application. What are the rigors that it needs to met? What's your budget? What does that look like? Um, And it's been really successful. uh, And it's been a lot of fun for me. One, it allows me to be very present with people. Two, it allows me to put together the puzzle uh, alongside of them. And that is very exciting. So we have rallied up a, a group of contract manufacturers offering pretty much every service and additive. Okay. So then, too, I have a place to place uh, a place to seat that work should they choose MJF or they choose powder bed fusion or they choose polyjet, whatever. Uh, we can seat it there. So that has been a lot of fun for me. Uh, and again, the focus for me is really on the person, not on selling the red crayon mm-hmm. uh, metaphorically, right? If you're going in with only metals, you're going to solve every problem with metals. Yeah. Much like going with your grand color crayon box. If you remember the old Crayola box with 180 yeah. colors in it versus your one color is kind of the metaphorical assimilation there. Okay. And I would imagine because of that, you know, you've got all these different solutions. No two days are going to be the same. People are going to come with different problems, different challenges. But are there any kind of common threads that you're seeing, any common challenges that people are asking of additive, any challenges they're having with additive manufacturing? What kind of themes are you seeing in those conversations with with people? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Big yes to all of that. Mm. Um, I think the a lot of the challenges reside in cost, whether mm. you're looking to acquire equipment, cost of entry is rough. Right. Yeah. If you're looking even at building parts, if you're used to conventional manufacturing, but now you have a part that's designed for additive understanding the cost and the why mm. and often your upfront cost can feel high, but if you really take them down to the end of the story problem, the back end cost is considerably less, whether that be measured in time units Mm -hmm. or uh, post-processing attributes, other equipment necessary. Um, I think another challenge that we have is in finish. Uh, Mm -hmm. We do a lot with metal printing, powder bed fusion, 
And um, especially if it's a new person coming in, Laura, where they think that parts come out looking terrific right out yeah. of the machine, that can be um, a an infancy misperception. They just mm-hmm. don't know quite yet. Um, but there's always the surface finish challenge. And if you have internal features, finishing those, getting that, if your internal features would would uh, perform better if they were smoother, but you have kind of that casted surface. Tolerances, mm-hmm. what tolerances are we holding? And you know, the, the common question is, well, what tolerance can you hold here? And the answer in additive is always, well, that depends. Yeah. <laughs> it depends on the orientation. It depends <laughs> on the layer thickness. It, pretend, it depends on the fineness of the powder. It, there really is just so many factors. So being a patient and transparent teacher, um, I think is really important and not rushing to the solution and not trying to ensure that additive is the solution because sometimes mm-hmm. additive is not. Right. Um, I yeah, say often it's the perfect solution for the perfect problem, but it is not always the right answer. Mm-hmm. I'm also very keen to get uh, your thoughts on the medical side of additive as well, because I know you've got an extensive background in that. And then, of course, running the medical track, which you said you really enjoyed being a track leader um, within um, AMUG. So what's really exciting you about that field in particular right now? Because um, it's it feels like it's very you know well adopted in a lot of areas. There's a lot of emerging stuff happening as well at the same time. So what what's what's interesting you the most? Oh, Medical just gets more and more interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly patient-specific applications is wonderful because the patient mm-hmm. outcomes can be greatly influenced by patient-specific. Yeah. So it's not a commodity size. You know, if you take like a knee replacement, your femur isn't shaped like my femur isn't mm-hmm. shaped like Joe's femur. Uh, so having customized Um, medical intervention, I think, is really unique for patient outcomes and getting it right. I think having medical models for pre-surgical decision-making or communications, I did that with my own son. He was 17 when he had spinal surgery, so we printed his spine for his surgical team. Not that they needed it to make decisions. It was just a scoliosis case, which um, wasn't particularly strenuous for them. But where I really enjoyed that was he was 17 and all he really understood was that he was going to have his back opened up and really didn't know. So this spinal model then was able, the surgeons were able to use that as a tool to communicate with him. And I think that was just a really wonderful um, way to do that. You get into the bioprinting of which I have quite literally zero to do with, um, but I'm fascinated and I read everything I can get my hands on. I love that we're doing bioprinting on the International Space Station, which Mm -hmm. is really important because one thing with bioprinting is gravity is kind of its enemy, right? Because you're laying these um, gelatinous um, extrusions and gravity squish. Uh, Whereas on the International Space Station with zero gravity, they can do some really important um, studies up there to see how tall they can build, what can they implement without the ill effects of gravity, Um, 3D printing organs, that development, there's development in a 3D printed titanium heart, harvesting organs from donors. Um, I don't know anything about the national statistics there, um, but I'm quite certain we don't have enough because there are still donor recipient lists out there. How long they are, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, But wouldn't it be wonderful 
if we reached a day where we didn't have people on a list uh, with great hope of prolonging their life uh, and giving them a better quality of life. So medicine is astounding. Well, medicine is astounding to me anyway. Add in this incredible performance of advanced technology uh, that's supplementing the very able hands of surgeons and creating ease of mind in patients that they understand what's coming up. A gift, no doubt a gift. Yeah, and when you can just make reference to examples like that in your own life, I think that's that sometimes that's the thing that really clicks with people, particularly when you're not actively inside the additive manufacturing industry, when you can reference things that are affecting real people in real everyday situations I think that's just that's such a good gateway to understanding the benefits of this technology so the medical field really does I think open up that conversation for a lot of people it's 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 incredible yes I think too with that I think one reason I always really love medical is um I know what the parts are <laughs> Unlike yeah. when I get an aircraft part or a car part, I don't, I, I'm not a car junkie. I don't always yeah. know what that part does. Well, I have a knee. I'm pretty sure I know what <laughs> that's going to be. So, you know, for us laymans in the world, um, that works for me. And I think that you're right. It's a great intro um, of public awareness of additive manufacturing because we all have a body. Mm-hmm. We all have anatomy. So when you're talking about anatomical references, um, and betterment or perhaps increasing your your lifespan by way of some medical intervention uh, we can all we can all get that mm-hmm. yeah and the next question I had for you I feel like you may have already alluded to it when you were talking about some of the challenges that you that you meet with with um, customers and clients but what's one misconception you wish you could debunk in additive? You mentioned post-processing before, and that sometimes comes across as a big one when people don't realize that things don't come off a machine looking like this. Yes. Um, so is there a, a big misconception that you realize you could just throw away right now? Yeah, that that really is, is my biggest one. Um, another one that we hear uh, often in medical, especially if they're used to precision machining parts and then they're going to additive, you don't get the same, well, it kind of goes right back to post-processing again, but mm-hmm. you don't get those same tolerances that you do in a five-axis mill on yeah. additive manufacturing. Can you get there? Yes, you're at near net shape. You get an additive blank. Now you're machining it to those tolerances. So that can be, again, an infancy learning. If you've been doing it long enough, then you already know that you're not capturing those tolerances. Yeah. But um, I think to the that speaks to the importance of the unity and the marriage of conventional and additive manufacturing. It isn't an either or. And mm-hmm. I would say probably most cases, and again, no statistics on this, most cases, an additively manufactured part is is probably most often not the final part. It requires uh, some sort of chasing, maybe even just tapping and threading, um, but certainly those tolerances coming in. Mm-hmm. I'm also interested to get your thoughts on just the additive manufacturing industry in general. We know we've had quite a, a turbulent year um, with a lot of M&A investment activity, um, you know, kind of some really groundbreaking applications, but then also quite quiet on the application front. Um, What's your sort of outlook for the AM industry as we settle into 2024? Are you feeling optimistic about it? Are there any burning challenges that you'd really like to see addressed this year? I am feeling optimistic, Laura. And, you know, I think anything that is new in advance is cyclical. You have Mm -hmm. surges, you have fallbacks. 
Um, I think where you have successes and you're willing to boast about uh, boast is a is a negative word. You're willing to share your successes. Mm-hmm. That's one thing with additive is everything is so tight under the kimono. Yeah. I think where you're if you go back to the leap nozzle with GE, did that generate enthusiasm and promise for additive or what? If we could get some really grand success stories um, out there, I think that raises enthusiasm. And that does happen cyclically. Do we have fallbacks? We do. I think um, globally we're in a in a bit of a of a fallback economically, um, probably in a little bit of everything. I think we're on we're on an uphill climb at the moment. But I think as the equipment, software, and material manufacturers continue to innovate, give us more of an offering, then we, the end users, have more capacity to innovate. Mm -hmm. So we're chasing each other. Those OEMs of making things are going to invest in making something new for us users to use. Us users adopt it and say, woo, yes, and we use it, use it, success, success. Well, now we've inspired those same equipment, material software people, they saw success with us and they go back to the drawing board and they do something Mm -hmm. great again. And then we chase that and we use that and we have success. So I think sometimes you're on the uphill of innovation and sometimes you're coasting on the on the downslope. And Mm -hmm. I don't think it's unique to additive. I think additive is here to stay. Additive isn't in its full infancy anymore. Additive is not perfect. Mm -hmm. Additive is not the solution of all solutions. Additive is not finished developing. It's not fully developed today. We can't expect it to be. And thank God it's not fully developed. Otherwise, we could only do what we're already doing. Mm -hmm. Isn't it wonderful that that continues? So I have definite hope in it. I think we just need to be wise. We need to be good stewards of our finances um, and our own business transactions. We need to be good stewards of IP. We need to be willing to invest, um, again, both by way of time, uh, energy, and money. And the mm-hmm. more that we work communally, things like this, Laura, where your group is creating awareness and talking and getting the language out to the people, I think you're doing a great thing at creating bridges that might not have been um, linked one to the other without an organization like you broadcasting that. Oh, thank you very much. And likewise, um, I think to continue that optimism, then just to the last question, we've asked about top tips and kind of the best bits of AMUG. I wonder for anybody who's still sat on the fence right now and hasn't booked their ticket for 2024, um, what would you say to encourage them to make sure that they get their ticket sorted right away and join everybody at AMUG 2024? Oh, gosh, there's so many things that just want to spew out to me. Um, I, If there is an opportunity for you to spend time at AMUG, it will be the best investment you to make for yourself for the time, your company to make to one, help you get relationships, help you get tips and tricks um, and learnings. Perhaps you all are on a trial of something and you go and talk to somebody who's already done it and they can accelerate your path towards success come and be a part of it. Share time with us. Um, Even if you just want to come and be more of a listener, Mm -hmm. uh, listening is a great way to learn. Talking is a great way to engage. It becomes, I always think of it like popcorn. One person speaks and then it inspires another idea. And pretty soon everybody (laughs) is chirping up. Um, 
And we just can't wait for you to be there. We want to know you. And chances are you have valuable information that we can glean from you too. Um, so come and be part of the sharing. Our community will be better uh, for each new person joining us. I think that's a really nice note to end on. So Shannon, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on the Additive Insight podcast. It was my pleasure. Always, always nice to chat. And thank you for being so gracious. And as a reminder to our listeners, the Additive Manufacturing Users Group Conference will take place on the 10th to the 14th of March at the Hilton Hotel in Chicago. Conference passes are available now and the TC team will be there. So if you are heading to the conference and have your own exciting news or insights or anything like that to share, um, don't hesitate to get in touch with us at tctmagazine.com. So Shannon, thank you again. And thank you all for listening. For more additive insights, go to tctmagazine.com to get your free print subscription to the mag and get our Additive Insight newsletter delivered straight to your inbox every single week. Thanks again. 